I'm glad for what I feel here today. I'm glad for the anointing of the Spirit, and I am glad for air conditioning. Anybody else feel that way? And uh, I, I feel like God wants to speak to us for a few moments here before we transition to the next phase. So I want you, if you can, in all way possible, in any way possible, focus in on the Word of God for a few moments because we do have uh, some things that are happening afterwards that's going to be enjoyable and fun. But I believe God wants to speak to Life Church today and to our guests. Uh, are you ready to hear the Word of the Lord today? Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, we're going to read from chapter number 8. And we're also going to read a little bit from, uh, from chapter number 10 as well. Exodus, amen, is this uh, passage or portion of Scripture that talks about people that get delivered who are enslaved. Exodus chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. This is our text today. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Of course, as you read through this passage of Scripture, you discover that, uh, first of all, Pharaoh is very resistant to this concept. In verse 25, Pharaoh tries to begin to compromise with Moses. And Pharaoh called for Moses, for Aaron, and said, Go ye, sacrifice to the Lord in the land. Let me translate that for you. Moses had said, We want to go three days' journey out into the wilderness and worship the Lord as God has commanded. Pharaoh says, go ahead and worship God, but do it right here in Egypt. And then a little bit later in verse number 28, Pharaoh said, I will let you go that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far away. God had told them, go three days' journey into the wilderness and there make your sacrifices. Pharaoh said, I'll let you go, but don't go very far. And then in chapter number 10, we see again, uh, verse number 8, Moses and Aaron were brought again into Pharaoh. Go serve the Lord your God, but who's going to go with you? Moses said, we're all going to go with our young and with our old, with our sons and our daughters, our flocks and our herds. And he said, let the Lord be with you as I will let you go and your little ones look to it, for evil is before you. Not so. Go now ye that are men and serve the Lord, for that ye desire. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. So, they, so Pharaoh said, you can go three days into the wilderness, but leave your kids here. Everybody with me now? Leave your kids here. And then the final offer of compromise that Pharaoh gave in chapter number 10, verse number 24, Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. So Pharaoh has finally said, You can go ahead and go worship God in the wilderness. You can go three days out. You can take your kids with you, but leave your, your flocks and your livestock here. But God had spoken the word, and the word was spoken. Go tell Pharaoh, let my people go that they may serve me. And I want to speak for a few moments today on this subject. Let my people go. Hallelujah. 
Let's pray together right now. Jesus, we thank you for every person gathered here today to exalt you and lift you up in praise and worship. We pray, Lord, that over the next few moments that you would anoint the words, dear God, that you placed in my heart to speak to this congregation. Let the church, dear God, be blessed. Let the church be encouraged. Let the church be challenged. And let our guests that are here today, Lord God, be challenged to respond to your word and take a step of faith towards you. We pray this in the precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ. And if you agree, say amen. If you really agree, put your hands together and praise the Lord before you're seated. God bless you, and you may be seated. Amen. When the book of Genesis ends, Jacob the patriarch is placed in a coffin. Between the close of the book of Genesis and the beginning of the book of Exodus... Almost 400 years has passed, and Israel, rather than being in a position of strength in Egypt, find themselves in slavery, and they need deliverance. The book of Exodus means simply a way out. That's the meaning of the book of Exodus. It's a book of redemption in in the Old Testament, and its message is pointing to the redemption that you and I have through the blood of Jesus Christ. I want you to remind I want to remind you that this week on July the 4th we are celebrating a special day in the history of our nation. The history of our nation is that in 1492 Columbus sailed with the Niña de Pinta and the Santa Maria what many thought was going to be off the edge of the earth not realizing the sphere or the globe that we recognize today. So they traveled, and already they were living in what is now referred to as America or the United States, the Native American people. And before long, people from England begin to migrate by ship to this new land. And there were established eventually 13 colonies of England here. People seeking religious freedom, people seeking financial opportunity, And they established here on the eastern seaboard of the United States these 13 colonies. But the time would come when the tyranny and the oppression of England, taxing without representation, uh, suffering uh, difficulties upon these people, these people decided that they wanted to be independent from England and create their own nation. This is what happened on July 6th. I'm sorry, July 4th. I was born on July 6th. It was a special day. Can't get it mixed up with when the nation was born on July 4th. 1776 was the day when uh, the Constitution of Leaders or, or, or the Congress of Leaders signed on to this Declaration of Independence declaring that we will no longer be under the tyranny of England, but we want to be independent, and we want to be free. This is the same thing that was in the spirit of the people who had been slaves now for generations. God had a message to Pharaoh, and the message was, let my people go. And I want to tell you that that is still the message of God to the church and the message of God to the world in which we live. 
This time it's not a message to Pharaoh, but it is a message to the enemy. And that is, let my people go. I want to tell you that in our city and in the surrounding areas, there are people of God that already he has picked out that he desires to see liberated from the hand of the enemy. They may not look like God's people and they may not act like God's people, but there are people in this city that God is saying, let my people go from their bondage, from their oppression, from the dominion of the enemy. Enable them to serve me in the way that I desire them to serve me. And I want to tell you that Satan cannot stand against the power of the church's message of redemption, of people being set free. Nothing can stop it when God says, let my people go. The story of Pharaoh stands forever as an illustration of what happens to someone who tries to resist the will of God when God says, let my people go. I want to tell you that Pharaoh has to get out of the way and hell has to get out of the way and addiction has to get out of the way when the gospel is preached to those with a willing heart. And if you want to be set free, If you want salvation, you will have salvation. Jesus' message on the cross was, let my people go. Jesus' message through the gospel is, let my people go. And no matter what you're bound by, no matter what you're oppressed by, no matter what you're struggling with, there is a resounding message from heaven today that is let my people go. And it doesn't matter how long you've been in bondage. It doesn't matter how long that you have struggled. There is nothing that can maintain bondage when God says let my people go. Matthew 16 says, I say unto thee, thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Somebody needs to join, amen, in the anthem of heaven and declare, let my people go. There are people in this community that are children of God, that God has a plan and a purpose for their life. And his message is, you don't have to be bound anymore. You don't have to struggle anymore. You don't have to feel depressed any longer. You don't have to feel oppressed any longer. The message from heaven is, let my people go. And I wonder if the church could join in the reflection and say, Monrovia, let my people go. San Gabriel Valley, let my people go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so when it came time for God's people to be delivered, he released a man and a message. The man was a man named Moses. Israel would have had no hope except there be a God-called man named Moses. It wasn't his ability and his personality that enabled him to see the difference take place and the deliverance happen. It was the anointing of God that rested upon him. God did the work, but he chose and still chooses 
to do his work through individuals. Somebody say amen. But there also was a message. The book of Exodus, when you read the book of Exodus, this is cool. One half of it is about their deliverance from Egypt. The second half of the book of Exodus is about the giving of the law. It is teaching us that in order to truly be set free from Egypt, amen, the second half is you have to do the will of the person that set you free and consecrate yourself to his service and submit to the control of God. It's not truly redemption. doesn't matter what you're set free from. It's not really redemption until at the end of your being set free, you say, now I submit myself to the will and the leadership and the direction of God in my life. And our message today is the same. In order for there to be complete deliverance from sin and from Egypt, amen, there must be a willingness to submit to the will of God. Can I make sure we're all on the same page here? When I talk about Egypt, I'm not talking about the nation that today is in turmoil. I don't know if you've looked at the news, but in today there is a powder keg that's about to explode in Egypt today. But whenever I speak of Egypt, in the Bible it's an allegory of the place where you were in bondage before you were delivered. That being the world. And Pharaoh being a type of Satan that seeks to keep us in bondage in a place where it only seems natural to be in bondage, which is Egypt. And when you look at God's grand scheme in the Old Testament, His people were in bondage. God said, let my people go. Pharaoh put up a little fight and tried to insert compromise. But ultimately... God's people were delivered from bondage. They were delivered from the slave master. They were delivered from the whip. They were delivered from the bonds and the chains. And they went out from the presence of Pharaoh in Egypt to the land of promise. This is an allegory that's still happening today on a personal level. Everybody with me now? I just want to make sure we're all on the same page here. When a person is not delivered or saved, They are living in this world and they are bound by habits of sin. They are bound by the pursuits of the flesh. Many of them become addicted to certain things. Many of them find themselves wrapped up in the pleasures of this world or the pursuits of this world that end up leaving them empty and hungry and unsatisfied. But the promise of God today is still the same. That you may be in the world, but since you're here today, you're a child of God. And God's saying you don't need to stay there, but you need to come out of there. And God's speaking a word and saying, I want you to come out and go a three days journey to a place, amen, where we can have an encounter, where you can be changed, and where your destiny in life can be transformed forever. Anybody ever wondered about that three-day journey? What is that talking about? Anybody want to know what the three-day journey was talking about? Well, there's three days mentioned several times in the New Testament. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40, 
For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Amen? Matthew 27, 40, it says it again. Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. And then this one clears it up for you. Mark chapter 8, verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. This is the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he died on a cross. He went into a tomb three days. But when he came out of the tomb three days later, he was alive forevermore and had conquered death, hell, and the grave. What does this mean to you and I? In order to experience true deliverance from Egypt, we've got to follow Jesus Christ through his gospel experience of death, burial, and resurrection. Amen. So let's talk about the first compromise that Pharaoh offers. The first compromise is Moses comes in before him. I'll spare you the details for the sake of time. Many of you have heard the story, casting down the rod and becoming a serpent. And then the magicians are able to do the same. Then Moses' rod swallows up the serpents of the magicians. Moses has offered God's ultimatum. God says, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, who is God that I should obey him? God begins to reveal himself through the plagues of Egypt. Each one of them coming face to face with one of the false gods of Egypt and basically showing the invisible God Jehovah dominion over the false gods of this world. How many know there's only one big G-O-D? Lots of little gods, but only one big G-O-D. You and I. Pharaoh learned it firsthand. The water turns to blood. There's frogs hopping around in his bed. There's flies and gnats driving him nuts. The crops are eaten up by locusts. The sun is blocked out. And along the way, Pharaoh decides, I'm dealing with something pretty tough here, something I can't stop. But I don't want to lose my slave labor. Never forget this. The enemy is not going to sit back and say, well, all right. When you decide, coming out. I'm following Jesus. I'm obeying the gospel and I'm stepping into new life. You, you need to get this clear because the devil is not, your enemy, the one that wants to keep you in bondage is not going to take that sitting down. Do I have a witness in the house here? That you're going to start to feel pressure. You're going to start to feel resistance. That flesh is going to flare up. Family's going to start saying things. Amen. People at work are going to start making fun of you. Come on, someone. People are going to question your values and think you've lost your mind. But I want to tell you what that is right now. That is Egypt's attempt to pull you back into place. So as God is showing Pharaoh that he is powerless to stop the work of God, Pharaoh says, okay, come here, Moses. We've got to talk, man. Tell you what, you guys need to worship, right? So how about this? 
why don't you just do your worshiping here in Eden? Get your people together. Make your sacrifices to your invisible God. I'm cool with it. You can go do it over in Goshen there. But stay here. I want to tell you that's the first thing that the enemy will try to do to keep you in bondage and make you think you're free. Is to say, I'm going to let you worship God. I'm going to let you do your Jesus thing. But keep living the same way you've been living. Keep practicing the same practices you've been practicing your whole life. Keep holding on to the same values that you always had, but just bring Jesus in on the side. Amen. Amen, amen. Come on, someone. Do I need to make it plain for you right now? Amen. Go ahead and tell everybody that Jesus is your Savior, but that doesn't mean you have to move away from your addiction to alcohol. Tell everybody that Jesus is your Savior, but keep on going hanging out at the clubs like you've been doing. Amen? Just change your vernacular and tell It's so easy. Come on, somebody. It's so easy to just walk up and somebody says something about Jesus. You're like, I'm on your team, man. I'm N-O-T-W. I'm W-W-J-D. Anybody know what that means? What would Jesus do? What is N-O-T-W? I'm not of this world. I got a fish shirt. Amen. I got a fish on my license plate. I got a fish on my bumper. But I haven't changed the way that I live. That's what the enemy wants to do. Amen. And there's, that, that's why a lot of people struggle. They want to live for God, but the devil's convinced them that they can be a Jesus freak and still live in Egypt. But the reality is, if you want to be set free from the oppressor, if you want to be set free from bondage, you've got to immediately reject this effort at compromise when God says, let my people go. If you're going to go, you better go. If you're going to go, you better go ahead and go all the way in. How many, you, you've seen it over and over. Some of you have been around for a while. Some of you have been living in this planet for a few years. And you know that when you try to live for God just kind of like on the edge and continue living the way you used to live, it's not going to be long for where, where'd they go? They were so zealous. They were so on fire. They were so shukamashai. And where'd they go now? Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about. Because there's no way you can experience deliverance and still live in Egypt. Can I get a witness right now? Amen. Pharaoh knew that he still had complete control of Israel as long as they tried to serve God inside Egypt. They would not be free of Egypt until they crossed through the waters of the Red Sea and were led to the promised land. Amen. As we mentioned, the absolute gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, the three days journey, if you would, to resurrection was what required, was required. For them to be set free. Amen. So the word of God is letting you and I know that the only way to be set free from the hand of the enemy is to come out through the new birth. The old man can't live for God. We've got to be born again. Somebody say amen. Compromise number two in eight in verse 28 of Exodus. Pharaoh said, I'll let you go. You can sacrifice to the Lord in the wilderness but don't go far away. 
He says, you don't have to stay in Egypt, but stay close to Egypt. Are y'all with me right now? You know why this is important? Because the Bible says all of these things are happening as an example for you and I, the church. It was a foreshadowing of our lives in Jesus Christ. So Pharaoh says, go ahead and go, but stay close. When Pharaoh realized that Moses and Aaron were set on leaving Egypt, the compromise he suggested was leave but stay close. He knew that if the Israelites were not far away, he could still be able to recapture them easily. I got to get this point right now. Because you need to understand the thinking of your enemy if you're going to be victorious. You realize you have an enemy? Who's your enemy? Don't don't look at anybody. No, I'm talking about your enemy is the accuser of the brethren, the deceiver, the one who backslid before there even was a devil. That's the enemy, Lucifer, the devil, the the patriarch of rebellion. That's who your enemy is. And you need to understand the way he thinks. You guys with me? Here's the statement I want you to get. Satan sees every salvation as a temporary salvation. Satan views every salvation as a temporary salvation. As soon as you make a decision to follow Jesus, some of you need to get this right now. As soon as you put it out there that I'm living for God, I've been living for myself, doing my own thing, but I'm living for God. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to A, attend. I'm going to B, belong. I'm going to C, contribute. I'm going to jump into this thing 100%. The enemy then begins to focus on how do I get them back. And so his temptation is to keep you as close to the old life and as close to the old values and as close to the old world as possible so that when you're least expecting it, in a weak moment, in a time of struggle, he can reach out and snatch you back. Remember, amen, if you want to live victorious, you better hightail it out of Egypt. If you want to live in victory, you better make a determination in your spirit. I'm not going to walk as close as I can to Egypt and still be delivered. Amen. 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The enemy understands if he can keep us close to the world in our interests and our desires, he will have great influence over us. This is a picture of our spiritual pilgrimage. I want to move on here to number three. There's only four. We're at number three. Everybody breathe easy. Amen. Compromise number three. Exodus 10, 11. He said, Now Pharaoh said, Go now ye that are men and serve the Lord. For that ye did desire. And they were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. We read it to you. They came to Pharaoh. Pharaoh finally said, okay, you guys can go. You can go your three days journey. But he said, just the men. Leave the women and the children here. Leave your little peeps here. 
and just the big folks go out and worship. Why did Pharaoh say that? Because he knew that if the kids stayed, mom and dad would come back to Egypt. Or if mom and dad didn't come back to Egypt, at least he would have the next generation at his behest. The enemy is saying, if you're going to be a spirit-filled, sold-out, holy roller believer, keep it to yourself. Don't take it to the next generation and don't let the next generation come out of Egypt because the enemy knows that if one generation goes but he holds on to the next generation, then he can stop it in the future. But I'm so glad Moses understood the spirit of Joshua was upon him even before Joshua was even in leadership. See, Moses was first before Joshua, but Moses had this spirit, and Aaron had a spirit that said, if we're going into the wilderness to serve the Lord, it's not just me and Aaron, but it's as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm not going by myself, but I'm taking my kids with me. I'm not going into this by myself, but I'm taking my children with me. Let me tell you what the enemy wants to do to the church today. He realized some of you have made up your mind. You already had enough water under the bridge. You've already fought enough battles that you're out of reach. But he says, I'll let them go. I'll let them go. But they're going to have to leave their kids in Egypt. Listen to me right now. Life Church is a church that refuses to leave your kids in Egypt. My God. You know, I don't like electric guitar that much personally. I was raised with the organ. Amen. Listen to me right now. We've decided that I'm not going to let Life Church grow old with me. We're going to have a church that believes that young people and children have every right to walk out of sin as well. church music, that's church music it's exalting Jesus it's bringing glory to God and when people come in, young people love it, amen on Thursday night they're eating it up and let me just make this plain to you right now Life Church is a church that refuses to let us go on and leave our kids in Egypt, our kids aren't staying in Egypt our young people aren't staying in Egypt our children aren't staying in Egypt but they're going to the promised land with us You can relax and breathe breathe easy. We're going to do the old stuff because I like the old stuff. But in our heart, our passion is we're not just going to appeal to me and my older folk. So you're old. What does that make me? I got gray hairs right there. See? Right there. But we want a ministry 
that appeals to young people and to children because we believe that they can be set free from the enemy as well. I refuse to get over in my corner and do my thing and enjoy it the way that I like it and just let kids go out and young people and live according to the desires of this world and the, and, and the hunger and the lusts of this world. There are young people that can live with old-fashioned, apostolic, spirit-filled values. Amen. And we're going to reach for them. Amen. We're going to reach for them. That's why there's been over 40 people at the bridge. Not because there's compromise, but it's because there's somebody that says we can take the values and we can make it interesting to young people. Let me, let me give you a little illustration here or, or, or something to make you think about. Think about this for a little bit. What were the two things that the Hebrew people picked up before they walked out of Egypt? What are the two things? Anybody remember? They picked up two things before they left. Number one, they picked up some bones. Remember that story? What bones did they pick up? Dinosaur, right. No, Joseph. <laughs> they picked up Joseph, the patriarch's bones. The one that God had given the promises to. The one that God had started to unveil the values to. They picked up the bones of the elder. And they took them with them out of Egypt into the promised land. Did they take anything else out of Egypt with them? Anything else? Y'all scratching your head. Man, it's a quiz. They took something else. They plundered Egypt. They took stuff from Egypt that was going to help them after they had been delivered. You've got to get this point right now. And in order for them to get the next generation, in order for them, they had to have the values of the old generation. But they also took some things from Egypt that was going to help them along the way. Amen. Amen. Listen, li listen to me right now. You know the old hymns that we love? Did you know there was a time when they were singing the old hymns and the old people were like, I can't believe this worldly music in the church. You guys with me? Am, am I making anybody mad? I can't believe this worldly music in the church. Remember that old song? Down from his glory, ever living story, our God and Savior came, and Jesus was his name. Born in a manger. Forgot the next word, but it's a stranger. A man of sorrow, grief, and agony. Oh, how he loves me. Remember that song? Everybody's looking at me blank. I, I think we've already gone where... where. That was one of the old hymns. But you know what? That song was actually a worldly tune called O Solo Mio. And they took that from Egypt and they turned it into a song that made people weep and connect with their Savior. Amen. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise for it was grace that bought my victory. Remember that one? He looked beyond my faults and saw my knees. I almost said socks and saw my knees because that's the way we used to sing it when we were playing. Great song. A lot of people love that. 
That was an old song they used to sing in the tavern called, Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling from glen to glen and over mountains high. An old drinking song that they took from Egypt and people gave their life to Jesus and connected with their Savior listening to the words of this song. you got to get my point right now. The values of our church will not change. But we're not going to make a decision that says stylistically it's just going to appeal to my generation and those older. We're going to keep reaching for everybody. But we're not going to leave the next generation in Egypt. Anybody with me right now? Come on, can you do better than that? Praise God. I'm taking my family with me. I want my kids to be saved. I want my kids to embrace the eternal values of Scripture, the eternal values of a life separated unto God, a life committed to our Savior. And then compromise number four. You guys ready to go? Got anybody hungry? Compromise number four is this. Exodus 10, 24, Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord, only let your flocks and herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. Pharaoh's last-ditch effort to hinder Israel was to suggest that they leave some of their property behind in Egypt. He knew this would create a strong pull for them to return to Egypt. He says, okay, you can go three days. You can all go, take your kids but leave your flocks and herds here. You can leave Egypt, but leave your stuff in Egypt. And when you leave your stuff in Egypt, then you're going to probably come back to Egypt. Let, let, me, uh, let me say how another passage in Scripture says it. It says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth nor dust doth corrupt. Neither do thieves break through and still. It says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth because moths will eat it up. Anybody ever had a moth put a big hole in a shirt or a suit? I've had that happen before. It made me really furious. But it wasn't, a, I found out it was like a weevil that came in and, and ate it up. Made a big old hole in my pretty suit. Moths and dust, thieves, corruption. When you pour your resources into the things of this world, where your treasures are, there will your heart be also. And when someone makes a determination to really come out of Egypt, it can't just be me. And it can't just be me and my family and the next generation. It's also got to be my resources are coming with me as well. Amen. I'm going to sacrifice outside of Egypt into the kingdom of heaven and into the kingdom of God. Amen. Because there's a lot of people that don't realize, they never get this point, that until they give, until they learn to be a sacrificer, until they learn to commit their resources and their talents to the kingdom of God, they may look like they're in all the way and they may act like they're in all the way, but they've got something 
something that's going to pull them away. And something's got to get a hold of us that says, I refuse to let Egypt have a hold of my money. I refuse to let stuff be the motivator for my values and my decisions. best way to do that is when you've come out of Egypt, you've been filled with the Spirit, you've been water baptized, you've given your life to the Lord. You decide to move far away from Egypt and say, I don't want anything to do with this world. I don't want the appeal and the desires and the styles of this world to pull me back in. And you say, I'm taking my kids with me. Then you also say, I'm going to make sure, and there's a way the Bible says to do it, to make sure that your resources don't control you. That is, when you give the first tenth to the Lord, you are making a declaration to yourself, to the enemy, and to the Lord that the devil ain't got my stuff no more. This world doesn't have my stuff any longer. Amen. My enemy's not going to control me through the lusts of my flesh, but I've made up my mind. I'm going to lay up my treasures in heaven above where moth and dust doth not corrupt and thieves don't come in and take it. Something gets a hold of your spirit that says, I refuse. Amen. I refuse to let my money pull me away from God. Hallelujah. To let my stuff. And you found it? These people don't got much money that let their money take them away from God. But the people that recognize the power of the biblical principle and bring their tithes into the storehouse and give offerings. And when the Spirit leads them, they give to people in need. They give, they give, they give. If you never learn how to give, then your money's probably got a hold of you instead of you having a hold of your money. But when you learn to give, to those that are in need when you learn to give when there's a need in the kingdom of God when you learn to be a tither then you are indicating that I have severed my money's ties with this world and I'm not going to let my flocks and my herds pull me back hallelujah hallelujah because I'm coming out I'm coming all the way out is there anybody that's got that in their spirit right now that says I refuse to be pulled back I know how easy it is to let entertainment start pulling me away, and I miss church for entertainment. I miss church for my hobbies. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on. I miss being involved in the kingdom of God. That's the pull of the world. That's walking close to the world. But when somebody makes a declaration that he is first in my life, he is priority number one, and I'm going to live yesterday, today, tomorrow. I'm going to live every day putting him first in my life at the very beginning. I'm not trying to beat up on anybody or scold anybody. I'm trying to get you to heaven. I'm trying to get you to the promised land. I'm trying to make it plain and clear to you that if you want to live for God, get out of Egypt. Get all the way out of Egypt. Take your kids out of Egypt. Take your stuff out of Egypt. Let my people go. Hallelujah, and I'm going to close. We're going to pray together right now. There are some of you that are here today that have gotten frustrated with religion. Because you have gone, you've heard the good word about Jesus. You've heard how Jesus died for you. You felt maybe perhaps the presence of God. Maybe you've made a decision 
and you went and maybe you filled out a card and you repeated after the preacher the prayer. You prayed the prayer of the sinner. And you asked God to forgive you and you invited Jesus into your heart. You were doing everything that you knew to do. You were following the instructions. But then you found out two weeks, three weeks, a couple months later, oops, it didn't take. You find yourself no longer interested in the things of God. That hunger that you had at that moment of decision is gone. And you're just living your life, doing your thing, and before long you're struggling with the effects of sin again in your life. Listen to me today. Jesus didn't come to just kind of set you free. But the Bible said whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And there's got to be something in your spirit that says, I'm walking away from the way I used to do life, the way I used to value things, what I used to think was right and was wrong, and I'm going all in on this thing. I'm going to be water baptized like the Bible commands in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe. Because you know what? The, the Bible says that when they crossed through the Red Sea, it was a type of them being water baptized. And once they crossed through the water, the waters closed and Pharaoh was on the other side. Some of you need to make that decision to be water baptized in the name of Jesus so you can put some distance between you and Pharaoh. But preacher, it's all about faith. It's all about a decision. It's all about making your decision. That's fine. But the Bible says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If your way works, that's fine. But some of you are here today, and to be honest with me, you say, you know what? I made a decision like 23 times, and I'm still struggling with the same things. You need to put some distance between you and Pharaoh. You need to put some distance between you and Egypt. Amen. It's not enough to worship there in Egypt. It's not enough just to go outside the outskirts of town. You need to go through the sea and make a decision to be water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then separate yourself from the things that pull you. You know, some people, when they decide to follow Jesus... They have to stop having friendships with other people that they used to have friendships with. Amen? I'm not talking about just like, I'm not your friend anymore. I hate you. Get away from me. Ah. I'm talking about recognizing the influence of that relationship and deciding my relationship with that person is not as valuable as my relationship with Jesus Christ. I've known that people have to break up with their girlfriend and boyfriend when they decide to walk with Jesus. Do I got an amen in the house? Anybody know what I'm talking about? That some of, the, some, of the, some of the guys they used to hang out with, the brothers that they used to hang with, and the people that they used to enjoy fellowship with, uh, they had to decide, I'll still be their friend, I'll still talk to them, but I ain't hanging with them anymore because they're pulling me back to where I used to be and what I, God has delivered me from. Amen. And so what I'm talking about, the gospel message is about a total deliverance. It's about a total walking away. It's about a total uh, uh, rejecting of the old life and the old values and the old things that I used to do. Amen. And when you get alone with Jesus, Jesus will start whispering in your ear. 
Some of the things that you're doing, you don't even realize it's pulling you away from God and creating a bound, a barrier between you and God. And the Spirit of the Lord will begin to minister and speak to you. And then it's your choice to decide, okay, I'm following Jesus instead of these other things in my life that are pulling me. When you make that kind of a decision, my God, if you want to be saved, you got to pray. you got to talk to God. you got to learn to hear from God and then follow the Spirit of the Lord. I'm not here today to tickle your ears. Although if that's what you want, I could do that too. I got ten fingers. But I'm here to help somebody that you're tired of falling in the same trap over and over again. You're tired of living that half-hearted Christianity. You're tired of saying you're a Christian, but not living like a Christian. God has power to set you free. The voice of God is coming through this preacher right now. I'm standing in front of your addiction. I'm standing in front of your false belief. I'm standing in front of whatever is keeping you bound up. And I'm speaking for God right now. Look at me. Let my people go. Let my people be set free. Let my people be delivered. Let my people come out. Let my people come out and be separate and touch not the unclean thing. And God receives them. Let's stand together right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Here's what I want us to do right now. In order for the gospel to happen in your life, there has to be surrender. Surrender. What does surrender mean? Surrender means I give up. I ain't going to fight you no more. That's surrender. And when you are surrendering your life to the Lord, what you are doing, here's what true repentance is. Somebody, some people think that repentance is about saying, Jesus, I acknowledge your death. Jesus, I want you to come into my life. Saying a prayer. But if you listen to the words of that prayer, what you are saying is, I'm not going to be in charge anymore. I'm not going to resist you anymore. But Jesus... You are going to sit on the throne in my life. You know what the problem is with most Christianity? Is they want Jesus to be the co-pilot. Anybody seen that bumper? Jesus is my co-pilot. Well, you got a problem. You better get out of that seat and change seats with him. Because he's only going to be with you if he is Lord. That was good. I'll say it again. He's only going to be with you if he is Lord. Lord means master. And so surrender means to say, okay, God, you got me. I've been trying to play this game and pretend like you're in charge and pretend like I'm living for you, but Lord knows I'm still in Egypt with my attitudes and my values and the things that I allow. But God, I hear you speaking to me today. And I ain't going to be in control anymore. I'm giving up. (laughs) That's what true repentance is, God. I'm not going to keep going my direction, doing my own thing, determined that my will is going to be done, but I'm going to surrender. And what is the universal sign of surrender? What's the universal sign of surrender? When, 
when the policeman comes up and you want to let them know? Some of you got some experience with this, hmm? Somebody laughing too hard when he thinks he does protest too much. He's got his gun on his side and the person's, don't shoot. I'm not going to fight you. Here's my hand. I'm not going to resist any longer. I recognize your authority. And I'm submitting myself to your authority for my protection and giving it up to you. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hands and I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer of submission. A prayer of giving up. A prayer that says, I surrender. <laughs> and Lord, I'm ready to follow you out of Egypt. And I know we didn't shout around on this sermon and it didn't tickle my fancy, but I believe God's talking to somebody right now. If you would, lift up your hands with me right now. Dear Father, I love you today. Say your own words. And Lord Jesus, I want you to know that I want you to be master and leader of my life. I want you, Jesus, to be in control of my values. I want you to be in control of my decisions. I want, Lord Jesus, you to shape me into an instrument of righteousness for your purpose. And God, I recognize that that cannot happen if I'm still doing my own thing. So my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ, I surrender to you everything that I have. And Jesus, I surrender to you everything that I am. It is my absolute desire to follow you. Jesus, I pray that you'd set me free from every temptation. I pray, Lord God, that everything in my life that is dragging me away from you, let me recognize it, put a tag on it, and walk away from it. In Jesus' name, I want to walk in victory. I desire so deeply to be an overcomer. I want your presence and your spirit to be on my family. I want it to be in my marriage. <laughs> I want your hand to be on my future. Jesus, I pray, let your will be done in my life, I pray. I surrender all. I surrender.
Two things I want to give you an opportunity to do, and then we're going to close up here. The first thing is, I want to give you an opportunity to publicly declare your submission to Jesus Christ. And the way that you're going to do that today is by making a, a walk down here to the front. There's going to be a lot of people that join you. Not just to say, man, I enjoyed the service or that was good preaching. No. Coming down to say, God, I want you in control. I'm releasing control of my life into your hands. And I'm going to follow you. I want to walk with you. I want my family. I want to be delivered. I want my family to be delivered. I want a brand new life, new values, just a new way of living. And I'm making that determination to follow you. If you're here with us today, the second thing that I want to mention to you is if you pray that, pray that prayer, you take that step of faith, it's very, very important for you to start on the right path. You start on the right path. And Brother David shared with us earlier about life path, very detailed, specific instructions about how to use the Word of God to change your life, the Holy Spirit, how to take steps how to follow the Word of God and follow Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to take that step of faith and next Sunday, next Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning, meet there in the um, conference room, which also doubles as our pastor's reception room and it also triples as our new to life class. And you can start in the class. It's, it's not just a class, it's a path. It's a way. It's a way for you to begin to walk the right direction. God's deliverance and help is in this place. So as you step forward, in just a moment, I want you to believe that God's going to meet you here. And he's going to give you his power, which is his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power of God to live above sin. It's also God's law and desires being put in your heart and your spirit. It's the greatest thing that can happen. And as Brother Caleb sings this song again, if you want to make a public declaration that I want Jesus in complete control, I don't want to be one of those Christians in name only that just kind of talk the talk and have the t-shirts and the little fish on the car. But I want to live a surrendered life to him. As they sing this song again, let's gather up to the front. Those of you that want to make that declaration right now. In Jesus' name.
Father, we thank you for allowing us one more time together in your presence to come from all walks of life, from across this great valley, and to worship together with you in one chorus, to receive your word into our hearts. Now help us apply this word this week as we go forth and before we gather again. We thank you for these wonderful people. Pray once again a special blessing on them this week. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Everybody said amen.